0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, Allah wa salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali, Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim, Allah wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala Ali, Muhammad wa barik wa sallim, Allahumma alimna ba yanfa'una, wa anfa'una bima alamtana wa sallimna ilma. These are statements of al-Hasan al-Basir, rahmatullahi alayhi. He said that the corruption of people's hearts is in six things. The first is that they sin with the hope of repentance. They seek knowledge but do not act upon it. If they do act upon it, they are insincere in doing so. They eat the sustenance that Allah has provided them but do not show gratitude for it. They are not content with the allotment, the qisma, the division of Allah and they bury their dead but do not take heed. So we hear in this beautiful insightful statement. Imam Hassan Basri Ali is identifying for us six things for us to reflect upon that causes the corruption in our hearts. First is sinning with, with the hope of repentance. So this is an attack of shaitan where a person he continues to imagine and con- And he continues to have confidence that no matter what I'm going to be forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he intentionally continues to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a person he makes tawbah, which may be insincere, and every single time he's making tawbah, he feels that, okay, now my sin has been forgiven, my record is clean, I can move forward. But each time he is making this tawbah, none of his sins are being forgiven and his past account is not being deleted because each time when he's making tawbah he has the intention that Allah is forgiving, Allah will most definitely forgive my sins if I commit it in the future so he did not make the firm resolve never to commit the sin in the future he has the intention every time that this is easy I'll just uh, seek forgiveness and my sin will be forgiven so every time he's making tawbah he has his plan in the back of his mind that I will sin in the future so each time he's making tawbah his Toba does not count, and he's under this delusion that, "Oh my account is forgiven, my account is clear, all my past sins are forgiven." So this is something that we have to think deeply about and realize what is going on. On one side, this is a confirmed reality that a person who makes sincere toba,, the one who sincerely repents from a sin is like the one who never committed it. This is true that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does wipe out the sins from the person's account and he removes it from the book of deeds, he removes it from the memory of the kiram katibin who wrote the sin, he removes it from the memory of the body parts that committed the sin, he removes it from the memory of the land upon which the sin was committed, there are no witnesses to the sin it completely is erased from all records that is the ultimate reality so a person has, has yaqeen on that but. This is when the toba is considered as to nasuah, uh, sincere toba, and when a person commits a performs sincere toba, all of the records are cleaned out. But what is a sincere toba? A sincere toba is that toba in which a person, when it comes to the res, uh, with respect to the rights of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, he has uh, sincere regret that he committed the sin in the past. And he leaves it in the present, and he has uh, full determination and yaqeen and not to return to it in the future, right? These are the three parts. So, if a person um, has this intention, right, that he is going to never repeat the sin in the future, then what happens? Then, then, his, sin, then his sin is forgiven. Now, if a person, when he's making Toba, if his intention is, "Oh, if I get a chance, uh, I will do the sin again. If he has this intention, then every single time he's making Toba, his sin is is, is not forgiven. Uh, and then the statement is there it's true that if a person makes intention to com- uh, uh, he commits a sin, then he makes Toba, he breaks his toba, then he makes uh, uh, Toba once again. He commits a sin, keeps on making sin and making tawbah every single time Allah is ready to forgive the sin. This is also commonly mentioned. But um, what is this referring to? This is referring to the scenario where every single time he has that firm intention not to, but then he wavers and he becomes weak and he ends up breaking his tawbah to so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us first of all to limit how much how many sins we do, but when we do make a sin, then we should have the firm tawbah not to repeat it. This is the first sign of the corruption of a person's heart. That they sin and they continue to say, Oh Allah will forgive, now billah. Number two is that they are seeking knowledge but they are not acting upon it. So seeking knowledge and if the seeking of the knowledge is with a uh, wrong intention, not to make amal, not to propagate it, uh, but rather to impress other people or for any worldly objective, then this is a source of warning too. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whoever acquires the knowledge of the deen, الله, through which Allah's pleasure should have been achieved. So, knowledge of deen but why is he acquiring this? الدنيا, only for worldly gain and fame and recognition this is such a major sin then that person will not even have an opportunity to smell the fragrance of Jannah so acquiring the knowledge of Deen with the wrong intention a person will not even have the opportunity to smell the fragrance of jannah So this is such a grave warning. And what should the correct intention be? And what is the great reward for having the correct intention? We see Rasulullah on the flip side. He mentioned that if a person has the correct intention مَنْ جَاءَهُ الْمَوْتُ وَهُوَ يَطْلُبُ الْعِلْمَ بِهِ الْإِسْلَامِ Whoever dies in such a condition. Dies in such a condition means that it's not just when a person is engaged in a course of study for um, a couple number of years but rather it's a a lifelong struggle and he dies in such a condition he is engaged in studying his whole life death comes upon him while he is engaged in seeking knowledge and why is he seeking knowledge so that he can revive the deen of Islam revive the deen of Islam within himself and within the entire ummah. So this individual will be bainahu wa bainan nabiina darajatun wahidatun fil jannah he'll be just one station beneath the Anbiya in Jannah one station beneath the Anbiya that is the highest a person can ever hope to achieve Uh, highest uh, station a person can hope to achieve Allah Akbar so that's uh, why it's important when we are acquiring knowledge of deen what is our intention To, to act upon it number three if they do act upon it they are insincere in doing so now a person does acquire the knowledge and acts upon it but is not sincere again Allah Ta'ala says وَقَدِمْنَا إِلَى مَا عَمِلُوا مِنْ عَمَلِ فَجْعَلْنَا مَّنْ people will bring mountains of good deeds but then it will be turned into dust it will have no value why has no value because it has been done without ikhlas Rasulullah said to Mu'adh ibn Jabal Ya Mu'adh, أَخْلِصْ دِينَكْ يَفِيكَ الْعَمَلُ الْقَلِيلُ O Mu'adh, develop ikhlas and sincerity in your practice Uh, Then a little bit of amal will be sufficient for your naja and salvation Number four he says they eat the sustenance that Allah has provided them But do not show gratitude for it So this is um, not just the sustenance But every single thing that we are enjoying is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And after enjoying these blessings Instead of thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We use the blessings in disobeying him Allah ta'ala says wa qalilum min ibadiy shakur very few of my servants fulfill the right of the shukr that they that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves upon eating and drinking we should always of course remind ourselves to recite the dua alhamdulillahil ladhi at'amana wa saqana wa ja'alana muslimin that all praise and thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has given us food to eat and to drink rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would be so grateful for the food ma'a rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ta'aman Nabi sallallahu Alaihi never uh, mentioned any fault in the food and he said that I sit when I eat the food like a slave uh, and I eat like a slave is who is thankful that the master has given him anything to eat so Nabi sallallahu Alaihi would be humble towards the food he would sit on the floor and eat then he would bend down towards the food whereas uh, the Western customs is that uh, to sit with the back straight and bring the food up to one's mouth with the fork it's so a part of the etiquette in the Western society of eating is to keep the back straight in the British system they used to train their children how to eat properly by tying the uh, board on their back That make sure you don't bend forward sit up straight in, in an arrogant manner and number five they are not content with the allotment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so there, uh, this has multiple ramifications, one is that whatever Allah has decreed for a person, a person does not have qana'ah and contentment with that, because that qismat and allotment, that division Allah has given, it is for oneself and for everyone else, so if a person is not happy with what he has, he does not have contentment, that means he has an objection against the qismat, the division of Allah and likewise if a person is jealous of others and saying why does this person have so much more than I do and it should be taken away from him and given to me and then that means also a person is objecting about the division of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if a person sees someone else has more deen or dunya more blessings and he's uh, desiring that they should be taken away from that individual this is the sickness of, of hasad. hasad has been defined as tamanna of zawalu ni'matil having that desire ardent burning wish uh, that the blessing of someone else Should be taken away from him It is such a bad sickness that uh, It's not necessarily He's desiring that it should be given to oneself, himself As long as the object of the jealousy Doesn't have it anymore That's all that he desires That's called hasad And there's another one called ghibta And ghibta is Tamanna husul ni'matil That you wish and desire The blessing somebody else has That you should get it not that, they necessar- not that they should leave it. It should leave them. They can continue enjoying it as long as I have it as well. So this is called envy in English. So one is to be jealous and one is to be envious. Envy. So envy is so, uh, actually is desirable in, in, in deenie blessings. So if a person sees someone who has a Dini blessing uh, and says that mashallah, they are so great. You don't want it to be snatched from them. But you desire the same for yourself. You desire the same for yourself and your family. Then this is this is something good. So that famous hadith where Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم said لا حسد إلا فسنتين رجل أتاه الله القرآن فويقوم به أنا الليل وأنا النهار ورجل أتى الله مالا فوينفق منه أنا الليل وأنا النهار. That there are two people, they are truly deserving of envy. This is how this hadith will be translated. Um, a person who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants the Quran, he recites it throughout the day and the night. And a person Allah grants wealth and he spends from it throughout the day and the night. So, hasad, in the sense of hasad, of desiring that their blessing should be taken away, is not permissible in these deeni blessings either. But rather, it means envy. That there are two, two such blessings which a person should be envious of. So, not being content with the qismat of Allah is uh, not being content with what Allah has given an individual himself. Oh, this is what Allah has allotted for me. And also not being content with what Allah has given other people. This is a uh, very, very uh, easy cure for a person who is uh, afflicted with uh, this sin of jealousy. That they cannot get overrated, it's burning them up from inside. They should console themselves by realizing look, you know this is what Allah has destined, destined for that person and and decreed for that individual and uh, if I'm going to continue to object and be bothered by it that means my objection is against Allah how can I object against Allah? Allah cho- chose that person for that blessing so let me just accept it and move on we cannot complain against what Allah has decreed number six uh, they bury their dead but do not take heed Rasulullah ﷺ said death itself is a sufficient form of admonition and advice. It's a wa'ad we don't need to make another wa'ad it's supposed to be sufficient when a person sees someone dying then at that moment they are um, performing the janaza. you are washing their body, you are lowering the body in the grave um, a person should uh, reflect that today we are performing this person's janaza. tomorrow maybe it will be my turn And we are lowering someone else in the grave um, A a time will come when I'll be lowered in the grave The best case scenario is that my janazah will be performed best case scenario is I'll be buried in the ground Otherwise uh, it could be a tragedy could be dying at sea, in the air Or or burnt up in a crash or accident So the best case is that my janazah is performed The best case is that one day I will be lowered in my grave It's not even confirmed that will happen Death is confirmed but getting a janazah is not confirmed being buried in a grave is not confirmed. So when we see this, we should be taking heed. Unfortunately, the hearts have become so dead that uh, since we participate in many janazah salats, it's unfortunate that not only in the janaza time, but even when the body is lowered in the grave, people are talking about the dunya right by the grave, right around the grave. They are talking about the news and you know the stock market. Did you see how it went? You know Nasdaq went down or uh, uh, today and uh, or went up. Or uh, one occasion, they were talking about um, uh, sports, right? The I uh, we went to one house where a person, his father passed away. He was sitting there. The bed that he was laying down on, he had a heart attack, and the ambulance came, and they were trying to revive him. and um, And they were doing CPR, but then they failed, and he died on that bed. Then they picked his body up to take it, and maybe a half an hour later, we were, I was there. So some youth came, more friends of the son of the deceased. They're sitting on the bed where his father died about 25 minutes ago. His father died on the same bed. And they were sitting there talking about NBA. They, the family, of they had put out the siparas and the, of the Quran there on the table, so it's a sufficient reminder what to do. There was 30 Jews. You pick one and at least read the Quran. So it's not like the environment, it's not that the TV was playing and there was an NBA sports game on so you just got caught up in the environment because you're watching the live game, oh he's shooting nice or whatever. But rather the Qur'an, Ajza were there and uh, the son was sitting there only because his father just died. And they came and sat on the bed where the father died, the same place, a few minutes ago. He, he said also, how do I know I wasn't there? But he said, look, my father just died here and they were, the ambulance just took his body or they were trying to revive him, they failed. So it was, uh, I was very, very shocked by this scene. Normally I don't, you know, one of the etiquettes is if someone is committing something wrong, you don't just call them out right there on the spot. You wait for an opportunity afterwards, you address that issue um, collectively, or uh, you, you don't make the person feel embarrassed. But this was a bit too much. Plus they were younger guys. That's what they were talking about, sports perhaps. Older people speak about sports too, for that matter. But in this case, they were younger individuals. So I told them, you know, ittaqillah for the sake of God, you know, fear Allah. Pick up a Quran and read. If you don't want to read, then be quiet. Do your zikr. If you don't want to do zikr, just be silent. But don't talk about sports here at this time. This is what he says here. They're burying their dead. Uh, uh, and they see this uh, inevitable end that we all have to face, but they're still not taking you So to repeat it, Hassan al said the corruption of people's hearts is in six things. So what's the point of learning about these six forms of corruption? It is to ensure that we do not fall into that. Uh, number one is the sin with and continue to have hope of repentance. So remind ourselves that let us not fall into this. Continue to sin and sin and transgress. Um, and just say, oh, I'll, I'll make Tawbah. Sometimes a person, he, uh, he intentionally makes a sin, commits a sin, and then he says, oh, I, I, could, I could just do Tawbah afterwards. There was, one time I remember I was young, and a person, he made a statement, I was like, but what kind of statement is this? So there was a big... Um, uh, structure, a building, I don't want to identify it further, just that a Muslim community got together and they purchased it to make a masjid. So he was having some um, difference of opinion and some ikhtilaf with how the masjid is being run. So this was some investor, real estate investor, he was saying that, you know, instead of this these people buying this building and making a masjid, I could have, I should have just bought it and, you know, um, but I did not want to buy my own business. I do on haram and riba. But if this, since this is a masjid, how can I buy it on riba, on suud, on interest? So I should have uh, just bought it on riba, though, and then just made toba afterwards. <laughs> uh, rather than you know the way this masjid's you know the activities are, he wasn't happy with it. He wanted to do something different. I should have. <laughs> I should have just bought it on, on riba and then just made Toba afterwards. So a lot of times we know it's wrong, we want to go ahead and do it, and then say, you know, it's okay, I'm going to just ask Allah forgiveness, it's fine. In this case, he actually verbalized it. Normally people don't vocalize it, they don't say it. But at the end of the day, that's a thought inside the heart, that's what's going on internally. So he says here, number one, continuing to sin and says, oh, I'll just I'll just get forgiven. Number two, seeking knowledge but not practicing upon it. And then when a person is practicing, does not have sincerity and eating the sustenance without making shukr gratitude and not being content with the qismat of Allah, division of Allah and burying the dead but not taking heed. Moving forward, Hassan Basri rahmatullahi alayhi, said, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inflict six punishments on the one who loves the dunya and chooses it over the hereafter. Three in this world, three in the next. So there are six punishments for a person who prefers the dunya over the akhira. Allah Ta'ala says that uh Dunya <laughs> Nay you are why are you preferring the worldly life over the hereafter, whereas the hereafter is eternal? Um, three in this world, three in the next As for the three in this world They are Delusion and hope in having a long Lifetime that has no end Overpowering greed That leaves no contentment And the taking away of The sweetness of ibadah As for the three in the hereafter They are the harrowing ordeal of the day of judgment A severe bringing to account And an eternal regret so, giving preference to the worldly life or over the hereafter. Uh, three punishments in this world, three in the akhirah. Number one, delusion and hope in having a long lifetime that has no end. Allah Ta'ala says about this in the Quran: "Ya ahaduhum yu'ammaru They continue to desire as if uh, uh, and wish that they had a one thousand year life. So, a person can. Um, um, having a desire to have a long life of a'mal and good deeds is, is good, is desirable as it comes in the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu sallam, Abu Talha radiallahu anhu, uh, he had a dream that there were two sahaba one had become shaheed and the other one died a year later so he saw in his dream that the one who died a year later entered Jannah first and he was shocked by that, he came to ask Rasulullah sallallahu sallam, how does this happen so Rasulullah sallallahu said yes one became shaheed will enter Jannah for sure but the one who died a year later he had one additional Ramadan of fasting and, and another whole year of 365 or Islamically less number of days, but a whole year number of days times uh, five times Salat. And he gave so much more Sadaqah, so much I- Ibadah. So, longer life means more good deeds. More good deeds on the scales, inshallah, will be means of uh, higher station in Jannah. So, having a long life with good deeds is desirable. But over here, what it means is. He just, um, he's deluded, he feels that he's gonna live forever. He just re- doesn't have any preparation for death as if it's never coming. That's why historically the graveyards are out of the town, outside, so that you don't even pass it, you don't have to remember it. Uh, so they would have the town, the city of the living, and the and, uh, houses, residential area, marketplace, etc. Then they have the city walls, it's called the Surul Balad. Then outside, far away, outside the city wall, they would have the graveyard. So a person does not have to pass by it, does not have to remember it, does not have to reflect on it. Um, So it is beautified so much over here, that it's manicured, beautiful lawns. It's like a golf course, Mm -hmm. like a botanical garden. What that, SubhanAllah, it's a a botanical garden so beautiful that uh, it's more of a place of relaxation, Enjoyment and not necessarily a place where a person remembers death The reason I'm smiling is because I was just telling some students one time, one time I was like, oh, you know, so such a beautiful place to take a walk. Someone was getting married So I said that, you know, it's like a botanical garden. You can go for a walk in your <laughs> In the and your honeymoon in a graveyard over here. Why? Because it's just so beautiful they, there's no no opportunity. If you go to Janatul Bakiya, for example, over there in the time of Rasulullah how would the how would the graveyards look? Desolate, desert, desert. You know, and you see there, and definitely it, sh- it shakes you up. You see that this is this is the ending of everything. At the end of the day, we're going to be separated from all the worldly blessings. So a person is deluded, down the, and um, and he thinks he's going to have an eternal life. So, uh, part of his plan it doesn't indi- uh, have uh, anything to do with getting ready for the akhirah. It's not on the agenda. Um, whereas uh, the true believer is the one who is always prepared, always preparing. The, there is that um, survey that I mentioned before a few times that a person he. He went across the world to travel and visited all the different mashayikh. Different scholars, different awliya Allah and he asked them one question he was collecting all the responses and, and uh, he wasn't collecting all the responses just to publish a book uh, but rather to make amal. And, and his question was that if you knew for a certain fact that today is the last day of your life, what would you do? How would you spend your, how would you spend your day? So the most remarkable answer he got from one of the mashayikh was that there would be absolutely no change in my schedule because that's exactly how I spend every day of my life imagining that this will be the last day of my life. And that's why uh, some of the Mashaib, before the Salah, they make the announcement. And they say, atadilu. Please turn the lines, turn shoulder to shoulder. You may have heard this, Ala sallu Ala, so Pay attention, sallu Pray as if this is your last prayer of your life. Subhanallah. You never know which prayer could be the last prayer of your life, and this is this is a sunnah from the time of the Sahaba. Whoever was assassinated by the Mushrikun or other prisoners that were killed, the, the last wish they ask that can you give me opportunity to perform two Salah? So if a person, you know, he's on the platform to be hanged, and the noose is hanging next to him, and he says, "Give me opportunity to perform last two and the Jalla, the executioner and the warden of the prison is there and the guards are there and after he prays within a few minutes he's going to be hanged so what would be the condition of his prayer Right? how much focus he would have and perhaps maybe he's in a line of prisoners that will be assassinated so the other ones are killed right in front of him so he sees that they are hanging dead and his turn is next But they were so merciful, his captors, they said, okay, fine, we we'll give you opportunity to pray the last prayer. Go ahead. Now he's praying the last prayer. So what would the condition of his salah be like? So this is what the imam says, muwaddi' is the one who is saying wada, farewell. So he's saying farewell to what? Farewell to life, farewell to dunya, farewell to this Darul uh, uh, Farar, the place we have to leave. He's going to the Darul Qarar. Darul Fana, Darul Baqa leaving the place of Fana and going to the place of Baqa, eternal life. So when he's saying farewell, how would he pray his last prayer? That should be your condition, every prayer. So, um, so the first problem is delusion and hope. He considers long lifetime, there's no end. I don't have to go anywhere. Number two, overpowering greed that leaves no contentment. He's so greedy that he just wants more and more. This is what? Again, because he's in preferring the dunya over the akhirah, so he has so much greed, it leaves no contentment. Contentment is qana'a. qana'a is that you are happy with whatever Allah has decreed for you, knowing this is a cho- selection of Allah, this is the choice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, talks about shuh in the Qur'an muflihun. The one who is protected from shuh, he is muflih, he is the true successful person. So shuh is a very bad sickness. shuhun, sheen and ha. وَمَنْ يُوْقَ shuhun is a very, very uh, terrible disease. It's, a, it's actually a hybrid combination of two sicknesses together. What is shuhun? shuhun is... Um, meaning to have extreme greed for more and more along with stinginess so there are two different sicknesses one is hirs that you want more and more and more but you may be t- taking more and more and more but you're not hoarding it you're, you're spending it on yourself and others but you just want more and more that's hirs bukhal is stinginess whatever you have you want to hold on to it you don't want to spend it on yourself or on anyone else so, if a person has hairs and bukhal together, once more and he doesn't want to spend it, just hold on to it. He just continues to amass it, hold on to it, and, and, and uh, count it. So he's, he's saying, uh, more, more, and not spend. Hold on, hold on, hoarding. This is called shuhha. Shuhun. Whoever is protected from this thing and doesn't have shuhha, they are the successful ones So overpowering greed that leaves no contentment And n- number three is the taking away of the sweetness of worship So a person who prefers the dunya over the akhira Will not have the halawa and the sweetness of ibadah A person is mahroom of this, deprived three in the, uh, in the hereafter. So there is a sweetness in Ibadah. The sweetness in Ibadah is so much that it surpasses the sweetness of anything else if a person truly reaches that level. Like Rasulullah when he appointed the uh, Muhajir and the Ansari Sahabi to guard the camp. The famous hadith that there was some spoils of war had been collected and then he appointed two Sahaba to guard the camp. So they had to stay awake all night. So they said, how are we going to stay awake? Let's take shifts. Uh, one will stay awake and guard and the other one will rest after half the night we'll switch so the one sahabi went asleep, the other one was standing when he was waking awake watching he said okay let me just perform some salah so he was performing a salah and the enemy came and he saw a person standing there he saw the silhouette of an individual standing on the hill so he took an arrow out of his quiver and he fitted in his bow and he shot him and from a distance in the night he didn't have 100% clear vision of what was going on, but he saw that his arrow hit the target, but the target who remained standing did not move. So he was very shocked. Then he, hit, uh, then he um, shot another arrow and the target did not move. Then he shot a third arrow. Then he said this must be a scarecrow, this must be like a uh, fake um, body to scare people. So the enemy would think that there is a guard, when there is no guard, just like the farmers They put the scarecrow, which is to um, scare the birds or the other animals from eating the grain in the field. So it's a fake person. So he got ready to go and steal the money and um, the the coins and the the, the dates and the the sheep and the camels that were collected there. He went to go steal the swords and shield, all the armor and uh, the different materials that were. Uh, from the spoils of the war that had been collected he was going to steal it because he said this is a fake human being it's an image of a human being but then what happened after the third arrow he started moving and it went into um, it came, fell down, it moved down and then another one woke up and there were, he saw two images two body shapes, two silhouettes so he got very scared he said one of them was so powerful that you know he he took three shots without moving and now there are two of them so then he ran away so this sahabi who got three arrows in his body uh, after three arrows had um, penetrated his body and then only he went into ruku and sajda and he completed his salah and he woke up his companion and when his companion woke up the enemy had run away so after, after that he saw his companion, he saw the three arrows sticking out in his body, sticking into his body. That he asked him, Can, you know, he had to take it out, which is very painful as well, obviously. So the most pressing question was he asked him that, why in the world did you wait so long? Why did you wait for three arrows? The first time you were shot, you should have woken me up. So he said that I was reciting Suratul al and I was having so much enjoyment, so much enjoyment, so much halawa that I forgot about everything else, I just wanted to finish the surah and actually it was so enjoyable I wouldn't care about those arrows I would have just continued to get the arrows even if I died no problem but I had to give tarjih and preference to the order of Rasulullah to fulfill my mission over my personal enjoyment so I had to sacrifice my own halawa and enjoyment because I thought to myself yeah this is so enjoyable, Surah Kahaf is so amazing. Let me finish this. Even if I die, not a problem. So if I followed my, my desires and continued to enjoy the surah, I would have ended up becoming Shaheed. Then he would have come here, he would have find you sleeping the enemy and he would kill you in your sleep. And then we would have failed in the mission we were entrusted by Rasulullah So over here, can I continue my own enjoyment or I have to sacrifice? It's a completely different perspective. He literally is saying that he uh, broke his salah not because of the pain but because of the mission. The um, commitment to fulfilling the mission that he had been entrusted with. Speaking of the arrows, this is like Sayyidina Ali. So the arrows, they had the one was a point in the front where it would pierce the flesh and then on the back side where it wasn't just a triangle. There would be two hooks on the back. So it would be, when they would be pulling it out without anesthesia, it would be cutting on both edges, tearing on both edges back. So if you have a triangle shape, so it's one shape, one po- point of the triangle, top of the triangle is the point that is going in. And the other two sides of the triangle are also hooks. So when it is being pulled out, it is tearing the flesh double double the pain as going inside now you just can't leave it hanging um, in, 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 if, it's, if it goes through inside a person's body, it's in his muscle you can't just leave it there, you have to take it out so after one of the battles it was Sayyidina Ali who had it and um, he is known for his courage and how strong he was but it was very very painful so they, when they would be trying, they said, okay, let's t- pull it out. Then he would start screaming. He said, give, leave it, leave it, leave it. Then they would leave him and said, okay. But afterward, they would try again. They keep on trying. And he would start screaming so much, he said, no, I can't handle this. Hold on. Next, give me some time. Then eventually he said, okay. You know, they told him, and he realized as well that we have to take this out. There's no option. He said, okay, what we'll do is, let me just pray two rakats salah. I'll make sincere dua to Allah, Allah give me uh, courage f- for this operation. And then after that, you get a whole group because he was so strong, you need like 10-15 people. Hold me down. Some hold my arms, my chest, my, 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 my feet, body, and then one person pull it out. No matter how much I scream, no matter how much noise I make, and how much I, I try to move, not, he will not be able to move, it's 10 people holding him down. Just pull it out. Do whatever you got to do. But let me pray two rakat and make dua. So after he prayed two rakat, he closed his eyes. He said, okay, everyone come, hold me down. They said, it's over. Right? So he said, what are you talking about? They, they said, when you were praying salah, he said, hey, look at him. He's so focused in the salah, this is the best time. So you don't need like general anesthesia. <laughs> this is the level of their Focus. Speaking of the crow, uh, the scarecrow, the crows and the birds, they would come perch on them because they would they would be so uh, long period of time not moving at all that they would the birds would think that they are pieces of wood stuck in the ground. So there are birds around today too, but I'm not sure if anyone had experience where a bird comes and just sits on him. I don't think so. Not it never happened to me. Whether I was in prayer or not in prayer I I don't think any bird just came and perched on me So wild birds Not a pet bird Pet birds, that happens Where is the pet bird going to go? It can't go too far Some of them can go far But uh, but (laughs) many cannot That may happen Uh, But uh, the wild bird just coming and sitting on your shoulder It's a very rare rare occurrence This is happening because of the way they were Focus in their salaam the Salah of the Munafiqoon Na'udhu billahi min thalik is mentioned in the Quran Wa idhaa qamu ila salati qamu They stand in a very lazy manner He ra'oonan to show off to others Wa la yadhkuroon Allah illa They do not remember Allah in their Salah Fawailu lilimusallin al-ladhinahum an-salatihim sahoon Al-ladhinahum yura'oon They have saho They are forgetting Allah and they are showing others Anyway, so this is taking away the sweetness of worship Three in the hereafter Is a harrowing ordeal of the Day of Judgment the Day of Judgment will be very difficult. See, when the Nufiqah when the alarm rings, when is, uh, subhanAllah, when you're sleeping and the alarm goes, this is an opportunity for us to reflect on the big alarm. Which alarm? is Fisur, when the trumpet will be blown. So that is another alarm. Uh, and what happens when you wake up from our bed, this is an opportunity for us to reflect on, we will be waking up from our graves. When the When alarm bell, or alarm trumpet goes They will be getting up from the graves and they will be walking towards the mahshad. Normally when you think about the blowing of the trumpet we think about the first one. We know, right? Just to remind ourselves, refresh there's ears. Blowing the trumpet occurs twice. First one is when the trumpet is blown, everything in the heavens and earth will be destroyed. Second, blowing of the trumpet is when the resurrection will occur. So that is why when you open your eyes, what is the du'a we recite? Alhamdulillah, ladhi ba'da so this opportunity to remember the life after death alhamdulillah our praise and thanks to allah was brought us back into state of wakefulness after we were in a state which was near death similar to death and just like you're waking up from our sleep one day we'll awaken from our grave wa ilayhin towards him is our return so when that happens uh, we have two groups surah man ba'athana min the disbelievers you'll say have this harrowing ordeal they will say, "Oh, who has woken us up? Why? If, and wha- what is going on? This is." They will be uh, very, very anxious. al hasra wa nadama, regretful. They will be shocked. But the believers, what will they say? "Hada ma rahman Sadaqal This is no what uh, we are waiting for this day. They're, they're excited. "Hada ma rahman This is what the Rahman had promised. Sadaq al Mursalun, the messengers, they have spoken the truth. We were looking forward to this day. So they have no, no harrowing ordeal. So the beginning of the Day of Judgment is a harrowing ordeal. Next one, severe bringing to account. So there's hisab and yasira and hisab and asira easy hisab and difficult hisab. So they have a difficult hisab. And lastly, is eternal regret. Allah Ta'ala says, Rumma kafaru, The disbelievers, they will say, Oh, we wish we were Muslims. So they will, be, uh, they will have this eternal, eternal regret. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala protect us uh, from these six punishments of those who love the dunya and choose it or the hereafter. So are, uh, these are two statements, Hassan Bati Rahmatul Ali. We'll suffice with this for now, Inshallah. May Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq to make amal. And uh, we make uh, some dua, inshaAllah. It's a great dua, Inshallah. Turn our hearts towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and <clears throat> smilla arrahman rahim First, we recite the kalima, la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, removing all the gear of Allah from our heart, inshallah, and making dua that Allah ta'ala fills our heart with His oneness. Then we um, then recite salawat on Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wherein uh, we Remember the sacrifices of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for us and how much we owe him. How much we are indebted to him. And we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to further elevate his status and shower his mercy upon him. And then third, we uh, remember our own sins and reflect on how disobedient we have been and ask Allah Ta'ala for his forgiveness. بسم الله الرحمن La الله محمد رسول الله لا إله إلا 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 الله <trib> <slbellip noise> La ilaha illallah الله لا إها إ الله لا إ إ الله لا إها إ الله لا إ إ الله لا إها إ الله لا إها illallah La ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah Muhammad rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam la ilaha illallah 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 La elah illallah الله لا La elah الله La الله لا La لا in La elah in La elah الله La La ilaha illallah Muhammadul Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Sallallahu Alaa Muhammad Sallallahu Riday he wasallam Sallallahu Rider Muhammad Sallallahu Riday he wasallam Sallallahu Muhammad Sallallahu he sallam Sallallahu Muhammad sallallahu he Sallallahu Muhammad sallallahu he محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم Sallallahu Rida Muhammad sallallahu aiday he wasallam Sallallahu Rida Muhammad sallallahu aida sallam Sallallahu الله Muhammad sallallahu aiday he wasallam Sallallahu Muhammad sallallahu sallam Sallallahu Muhammad sallallahu Sallallahu Muhammad sallallahu اللهم عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه Astaghfirullah <laughs> fi o lá szt fi o lászt fi o lá fi o la fi o lá szt fi o Stone استغفر الله الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم من كل ذنب واتوب اليه بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد مبارك وسلم الله مبارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد مبارك وسلم اللهم اجعل اجتماعنا هذا اجتماعا مرحوما وعند تفرقنا بعده تفرقا معصوما ولا تدع ولا منا ولا معنا شقي ولا محروم اللهم فدى المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات إنك السميع القريب مجيب الدعوات اللهم عيد الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم نصر الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم احفظ الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم نصر من نصر الدين سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم جعل منهم واخذل من خذل سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تجعل منهم اللهم إنا نسألك إيمانا كاملا ويقينا صادقا وتوبة نصوحا وتوبة قبل الموت وراحة عند الموت وغفرة بعد الموت والعفو عند الحساب والفوز بالجنة والنجاة من النار Allah uqsim lana min khashyatika ma tahulubihi baynana wa bin ma'asik wa min ta'atika ma tubalihuna bih jannatak wa min al-yakini ma tuhwinu bih alina masaaiba addunya wa mati'ana Allahumma bi asma'ina wa absalina wa quatina abadan ma amqaytana waj'alhu alwaritha minna waj'alta arana ala man thalamana Allahum, la taj'al musibatana fi dhinina wa la taj'aliddunya akbaraham minna ولا مبلغ علمنا ولا Allah النار مصيرنا Muslim. Allah is a لنا في كل خير Muslim. الموت is لنا من كل شر اللهم Muslim. مسلمين وتوفنا مؤمنين Muslim. بصالحين غير خزايا ولا مفتونين يا رب العالمين O oh Allah, O oh Allah, protect us from all the adabs, the six azab, and others mentioned for those who prefer this dunya or the akhira, Ya Al Alameen. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, O oh Allah. Grant us the reality the Akhirah and allow us to prepare for it before it comes Ya Rabbal Alameen allow us to prepare for death before it strikes Ya Rabbal Alameen O Allah, O Allah and allow us to correct our priorities in our life Ya Rabbal Alameen O Allah grant us such yaqeen in the hereafter that makes it easy for us to avoid your disobedience Ya Rabbal Alameen O Allah give us such fear of your of your adab that prevents us from your disobedience Ya Rabbal Alameen O Allah give us such yaqeen in your benevolence that gives us the hope in, uh, uh, o oh Allah, in the times of sadness, Ya Al Alameen O oh Allah, O oh Allah, grant us the reality of Iman, the reality of A'mal, and reality of Ikhlas and Ihsan, Ya Rabbul Alameen O oh Allah, O oh Allah, the Muslims that are suffering throughout the world in different parts O oh Allah, grant them relief from their suffering, Ya Rabbul Alameen O oh Allah, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, answer the cries of the oppressed ones, Ya Rabbul Alameen O oh Allah, those that are sick and requesting du'as for shifa, O oh Allah, grant them shifa, Ya Rabbul Alameen O Allah grant us all shifa from every type of sickness O Allah spiritual and medical and health O Allah related O Allah grant us shifa Ya Al Alameen O Allah create unity and love between the family members Ya Al Alameen O Allah, O Allah, O Allah create harmony in the homes Ya Al Alameen O Allah Oh Allah, remain, allow us to remain united in worshipping you and fulfilling your rights and each other's rights. Ya Rabbul Aadameen. SubhanAllah, Rabbika, Rabbil Aizadi, Amma, Yasifoon, Salamun al Mursaleen. Alhamdulillah.